This call is being recorded. And we've crossed the threshold. So we're now uh, recording. And anyone who's a fly on the wall um, or listening ear is now part of the conversation in some way. So hi, Bruce. Hi, Chris. And whoever the audience is here. <laughs> um, I wanted to have you on because you're a wealth of knowledge and all kinds of things. Um, one of those things happens to be in um, bioregions and bioregionalism, regenerative paradigm. I'll just, uh, we'll get to, to background, I think, naturally as the conversation goes. I'll, I'll just mention that when I first went to your house there in Santa Barbara, I saw your wheel of community. And um, I think it might have mentioned um, bioregions in there. Definitely on your website, it does. I remember just thinking, what's a bioregion? And I went, eh, anyway. <laughs> like I was curious, but didn't really uh, go far enough to look into it. And now um, bioregions are on my mind a lot. Um, so uh, maybe we just start with um, what was that wheel of community that I saw and what's a bioregion? Well, the wheel of community is the whole idea that what it, overall, what does it take to make a community, make a community work, function? What are the elements for consideration? What's the environmental aspects? What's the food elements? What's the water elements? What's the uh, uh, sense of governance? Um, the um, it's I I got twelve aspects on the wheel, and if anybody wants to to see what the wheel looks like and have a free copy. They can go on my website, which is www.brucelerickson.com, and uh, you can roam around the website. You'll see two wheels. One is the sacred wheel of community, and the other is sacred wheel of healers. And just you know, click on it. You can download an eight and a half by eleven copy, and it gives you the whole thing. Uh, bioregions are this: is that as I would define them, is that if you take a look, let's just as you and your audience you take a look at it, let's say uh, North America uh, was is just a vast uh, unpopulated continent, okay? And nothing's there except nature and forests and everything else. And if you were logically to looking at how would you best, let's say, govern or manage, I should say, or be a steward of this vast continent, how would you do that? Well, I think the current thinking uh, and uh, a lot of insight has been given to this. You would look at the areas where the where there's watersheds. I mean, watersheds, one in a gross way, like the Mississippi, and then in the smaller sense where there's coastal streams and, and other water resources, wetlands and what have you. And uh, the whole Gulf of Baja, for instance, and, Mas and Mexico is a classic example and how the Colorado River feeds that and all that. So really, uh, because if you look at history about why wars were fought, okay, they were fought over water. Uh, they were fought over land grabs, and then they were fought over women, okay? But we never mentioned that in the history books. But, um, and if you look at the logic of you go, what, because in, in any given region right now, whether you're in a state or county or city and everything else, water is just as critical as it, as it ever was. And um, how we manage that, how we uh, control that, um, uh, is is interesting because uh, th this is the true area of, of governance. Uh, but we don't, in our current political structures, we don't do that. Um, and what I define as a bioregion is, let's say, um, well, let's say where I live, okay, we're backed by mountains in the background, we have streams, we have uh water resources which are in california are rather tenuous i might add um 
as people will be familiar, I'm sure your listeners will heard of the droughts and everything we've been through. So a bioregion is is looks at the fundamental resources that sustain, you know, life and um, agriculture and everything else, and how how we best management or define our area of governance around how do we manage our watershed. Um, um, like all too often, it's mismanagement of the watershed. Um, classic examples is developers coming in and, oh, geez, there's a swamp there. We've got to fill it in and create a parking lot. When in actual fact that that swamp land is very, very important for sustaining a good aquifer in the area, the you know, the the, re, the water resources underground, and all the streams that feed into the wetlands, the the bogs, the the um, how should I say the forests which trap the runoff and feed it back into the ground are all important. It's the cosmology of of the of our environment, and and it's a critical factor that increasingly uh, we realize that we need to be much more cognizant of and manage much better, okay? Chris, are you there? Chris? Yeah, I, mean, I, I wasn't pausing for dramatic effect. My mic was muted. Um, okay. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So look, Bruce, there's a lot of things there. And let's just... Um, take a moment to remember that what got us here talking about bioregions um, was the question that I was asking around uh, the root cause of school shootings. And so. Well, well they, you, you know what, you know, the joke in the, wa in the water world about, you know, the, uh, how the, why the Winchester was invented. Hmm. It, it's because they invented a gun to shoot the people that st stole their water. <laughs> oh yeah, there you go. Well, okay, so you know uh, this guy Michael Burry, um, the the guy from the 2008 financial crisis. If you saw The Big Short, he was Christian Bale. You know the guy who who figured. Yeah. You know, well, one of the guys who knew. Um, right now he's investing in water. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> he, here's the guy who. Um, has a track record of seeing things go wrong before they happen, you know, is, is now seeing water as a, a key thing that he's focused on. So that's just another example of um, why water is important. If you're not sure, you kind of think, okay, well, here's this one guy saying this is one of the most important things he could be focused on. So, um, different ways to look at it other than the obvious one that we need water to live or 60% water. Um, this is an interesting one. I, I heard uh, Penny Livingston say she, she was at, she was speaking at the same, um, the same thing you were speaking at Bruce there at lucidity. Um, mm -hmm. She's, she's like, where does water come from? And kind of think about it. And she, and it was interesting. She said from the sky and then he, he as far as like as far as the source of where it comes from and that's just an interesting one to think about you know yeah there's a lot of indications that well, a lot of water i don't think all of it but i think part of it came from meteors and other sources that uh bombarded the earth uh, but i i think that's part of the answer i don't think it's the whole thing I think it's a very good question, and I certainly don't know the answer to it. Um, but I think one of the things we have to take into account and, and with water is that look at the, the larger history of the Earth and how the Earth is constantly evolving and constantly changing, and how many areas of the Earth, this is before populations grew and technology and everything else, were at one time a beautiful, uh, and you might say gardens and lush and green and everything else. And now they're something totally out, something else like the Sierra. I mean, the, yeah, the uh, Sierra Desert is that we're the whole path, I'm talking about surface now, uh, 
it goes from lush green and over time the desertification takes place not necessarily everywhere but in large areas of of the world uh there's all kinds of remnants of the fact that they've been through droughts and uh there's a good indication that a lot of the um tribes of the native tribes of the southwest and even down through um central america part of what led to their decimation was the fact is that extended droughts that uh, ended agricultural production and and subsequently their whole civilizations failed um so it's really important to understand the cosmology of the earth uh the unfortunately you know people live like we do around the coast of california is like god it's a beautiful day it's nice and everything else and years go by and they think that's the way it's always been when that is not the case at all you know so um um you know the uh, california in, in truth of the matter is is a large part of it is a semi-desert yeah Well, I guess the Noran Desert, um, I think 800 years ago, wasn't a desert, you know? Mm -hmm. So it, it just starts making you think about what the potential is for the environment around us and what we um, accept as just the way it is or something that we can't uh, affect in some way. Well, I, I think it's called good stewardship. Yeah, there you go. And... Uh, the consciousness, you know, we're, we're, we have to find the ways that we can work with and complement nature entrapment. There's a, an incredible movie out right now um, called The Biggest Little Farm. And if any of your listeners are listening, for God's sake, see it, okay? See it, view it, steal it, whatever you have to do. <laughs> because it, it, it shows clearly how they took a an unbelievable horrible piece of land and by careful cultivation and planting and and management turned it into the garden of eden uh when you see what originally looked like you'd say there's no chance in heaven and hell for that thing to recover but it did and beautifully so but you know there's all kinds of uh plants that trap the moisture even from the air and uh they're very cognizant how they did it. They did it uh, using um, biodynamic and um, permaculture techniques and so that they developed this incredible collaboration with nature on this quite a large uh, piece of land that's called Apricot Farms now. Uh, we're taking a tour of it in uh, July. Um, the uh, So proper management can keep things in balance okay uh, but you know it takes will it takes skill it takes um you know determination and a collaborative effort from the entire community uh to be you know aware of this if they want to sustain you know the quality of the environment and the water resources that they so dearly depend on um, I lived in Carmel Monterey, and they needed those water sources to keep the, all those 74 miles of, of golf fairways green, okay? <laughs> Can you imagine 74 miles of golf fairways keeping green? Sheesh. You know? <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm not going to comment further. I think your audience probably will have plenty to say about that. Um, the um, you know, I, and it's not just the water that's happened. It's the it's the life that comes back from nature into the area when you do that. You know, the birds return. You know, the uh, the fish streams. I was at a, a a ranch yesterday where they talked about you know when they first got it, it was totally decimated, algae, everything else. And um, Anne told me she said she went to restock the pond with with a new group of fish and when she went over there with the bag there was thousands of fish that came to greet her 
she says, I didn't really need to restock that pond. It was pretty well stocked as it was, okay? Wow. I didn't realize it. And um, uh, the, the nature just thrives everywhere. And um, pretty soon the birds come back and they're eating the in insects and the, uh, and the other animals are feeding off the gophers and, you know, just, you know, all this machinery of nature that we take for granted goes to work and, you know, suddenly you, you've grown and you, you've, uh, you now realize that you live in a paradise, okay? And it's all because of respect of all the elements that, uh, um, that are necessary for that cosmology to work. And <clears throat> last time I, uh, I checked, biodiversity is a pretty important uh, element of our survival as a species. Yeah, I mean, uh, some people think biodiversity is just a, a, a shopping cart through the Walmart. <laughs> well, it says organic on it, so. Yeah, yeah, darn, darn tootin', yeah. Organic, made in, yeah, packaged in China, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I got a kick out of that one package that they caught, caught uh, Whole Foods with. It says California Fresh, and you turned it around, and it was all packaged and everything else in China. They call it California British. Yeah, that that that's that's not a gossip story. That has actually appeared on national news. So. It was. Did that happen before or after Bezos took it over? Oh, way before. Oh, really? Yeah, I just uh, I had friends of mine that worked with Whole Foods, and they said, oh, you you know you uh, there's a it uh, the labeling at Whole Foods was akin to liars poker. So yeah. Dang. Yeah, I, I had an interesting conversation with uh, John Mackey um, at a conference, mm -hmm. and we were talking about capitalism uh, and socialism. And it's mm -hmm. interesting because at the time, um, I thought that it really was between give a man a fish or teach a man to fish. And um, then I'm reading in this, uh, this regenerative design book right now uh, from the Regenesis group, and it has a picture in there and it's like um sure teach a man to fish um and and let's also teach them how to replenish the fisheries mm -hmm. and it shows one guy sitting there on a bench um with like a little thought bubble and it's him thinking about uh fishing and then a guy next to him with a little thought bubble and it's uh him uh thinking of all the fish in the water <laughs> i mean yeah Bruce, that just like boom, that just blew my mind. Yeah, you know it, and 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 nature has its fall up too. I mean, you know, there's uh, there was a partner in that film I talked about, uh, the biggest little farm where, you know, the coyotes would come in and get in the chicken coops and just for the fun of it, you know, kill half the chickens. <laughs> they wouldn't eat them; they just you know chase them around and mm. grab their necks and kill them. And I thought, you know, your coyotes aren't very smart, you know. Uh, I select a meal, but don't kill off everything. You know, you have no nothing to eat tomorrow. Okay, that's yeah, not yeah. smart. So uh, nature in itself does some things that's kind of stupid. So, um, but um, well, yeah, it, 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 hmm? go ahead, Chris. That, that's that's where human um, intervention like comes into play because like we have a role to play in this whole thing too, right? Like um, nature left without human intervention is what uh, some indigenous people called wilderness, and it was wilderness because man wasn't tending it, and that through um, proper land management you can help a land and an area reach its potential because on its own nature isn't perfect either, you know. Uh, there was a conference I, I attended about 20 years ago. It was really kind of funny. It was overlooking the uh, Monterey Bay, and uh, the speaker got up and said, um, we're going to do you know, meditation and, uh, and to visualize all the wonderful sea creatures that are out there in the ocean, the fish and seals and the walruses and the whales and the, all that abundant area of life, okay? And... Um, and how would you feel, okay, if if suddenly that would all disappear and and the ocean would be like, you know, a, a, 
a, a desertification of the sea. And, you know, everybody lamented, oh, that'd be absolutely terrible, it'd be horrible and everything else. And I said, well, let's reverse that. What about all those sea creatures and wonderful out there that are out in the early ocean? And they were visualizing and then what would happen if man disappeared, okay, and never came back. And I said, there'd be a bunch of sea creatures that would rejoice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got a kick out of that one. I thought, oh boy, that's probably the truth. Okay, so, um, so um, I, you know, I think inherently, I'm wrestling with a situation right now. Of uh, I, I serve on the uh, committee for uh, curriculum development for what's called um, Start North. It's for the Finnish government and of what the new curriculum for colleges and universities and high schools should look at. And one of the, the themes in that is inherently in all degrees and education system, along with algebra and English and all the other stuff, some of the stuff we ask people to learn, they never use once they get out of school. Mm -hmm. uh, algebra is a case in point, but anyway, what if we had you know, a course that was looking succinctly at the fundamentals of life that that has to do with what it takes to sustain and thrive the information not necessarily as a phd study but in other words make that inherently part of the basic education so people have a clear understanding of their the cosmology and their responsibility in terms of sustainability, regeneration, and uh, and what their contribution and involvement and consideration should be, so that uh, inherently that the, the life continues to thrive, you know, wherever they live. And uh, we've had serious discussion about that. And uh, and in the initial meetings we had, that it was quite a, a quite, uh, how should I say, inherent, um, acceptance of such a program that would be treated as part of basic education you know we have you know all the normal things that all of us grew up with but we don't have, we, we never had anything like that at all absolutely so anyway um Chris, your next question or your, your listener's next question or whatever. That's just off of what you're saying. And by the way, I don't know if my, something's happening with my speaker in or my voice in your zone because I'm hearing myself kind of echo through it somehow. Um, but the Finland um, thing, let's talk about that a little more. So uh, what you're talking about is framing their responsibility for how they can live interdependently with um, everything around them or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, so that sounds, that sounds critical. And um, how long have you been working with, and this is the Finnish government, right? Yes. It's a, for, to give your listeners a view, uh, it's pretty well known through educational circles that uh, Finland for decades has been extremely pro uh, progressive and innovative in their educational system. They've received all kinds of honors for the past several decades. And recently, the UN has ranked them as the as the most, um, their students score the highest of any uh, students in any nation in the world. And that their, uh, their methods and uh, and processes in education have far surpassed, you know, most countries. Um, and uh, so the Finnish government kind of laid down the gauntlet uh, and challenged to the rest of the world saying, we're willing to share our ideas, but what we would like is a very progressive dialogue with other, other countries, initially Scandinavian countries, but the invitations going out to all over the world. I even met a uh, a Vietnamese student who uh, was sent, sent by the Vietnamese government to be part of the uh, the dynamics in Finland that they were interested in, and uh, which was, it was really nice to hear. So we need to have a clean, a different slate. I mean, if you, 
some of the, I'm speaking now of the United States, if you look at, and this has been covered by various aspects of the news media and research is that when you look at people coming out of a high school or even a couple of years of junior college or basic trade school, and you see the gaps in what people know, the joke is how many students graduating from high school know how to boil water. Um, you know, it, it, it's pretty bad, you know, and you know, you every once in a while on Facebook, you see somebody running around over the microphone and you ask um, students about some country or issue or what have you. And the answers they give, um, I know when I grew up and I went to school, if I gave some of those answers, I would have collected a whole bunch of Fs on my report card. Yeah. Um, so uh, there's something amiss here. And, and it also comes at a time when we have to have a very critical and thorough understanding of our environment and how to uh, how to manage it and how to um, do what we can to make sure that life thrives. Okay, mm -hmm. because if we don't, uh, the consequences are not obviously not very good. Yeah. So yeah. you with this, and um, what are you doing to? assist in these efforts? You mean me personally? Yeah. Uh, trying to be of a constructive influence in the forms that I'm in, in, involved with. You know, I, I've organized science meetings. I've organized economic meetings. I've um, lectured at schools and universities. Um, I let all the weeds grow in my courtyard so they thrive, okay? <laughs> doesn't look very nice, but it, uh, I have a courtyard that looks like, um, how should I say, uh, the um, the monkeys from the jungle will be here next week. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, uh, <laughs> you know, I do some things right, and I'm sure I do a lot of things wrong, but I try to be reasonably mindful of the little things I can do. Um, I wish I was on a big piece of property and designing and helping establish an echo village mm. where there would be much more participation and we're trying to do that. Yeah. And uh, um, that would really interest me because I think that what I've noticed and I have got friends from 20 years older and much older is that the, the discussions today often center around what can we do to really make things uh, you know work and not only work but like in Sweden for instance that so many homes have detachable greenhouses and you know their their um, herbs and their spices and the little things they use often you know are grown in, in the greenhouse and and you know the food is much more accessible and uh, you know what can we do to um, how should I get, bring us closer to nature, utilize it much better, um, and, and, and make that a priority. Um, granted, some of it's challenging because I still drive a car with gasoline in it. Uh, the, uh, I live in an apartment which uh, would make owning a Tesla challenging because it would take a half a mile of extension cord to recharge it. Um, and uh, that's a joke for your listeners. I mean, I'm not, but, you know, adapting to a new uh, environment that's really uh, sustainable, regenerative, given where we're at right now, and also cost considerations and everything else, is kind of, is really challenging because we, inherently we can't do everything today or tomorrow but how can we progressively move forward so that uh, we have made a contrib major contribution yeah it seems like people do um, things makes a huge difference yeah it's um I think in areas where they've done it, um, and that's why I've stressed that film I've 
been uh, talking about is that I think when people see it and see it done, they're attracted. This is where I want to be. This is how I want to be. There's another uh, place I'm going to mention to your listeners that I think that did an incredible job. It was designed and built many years ago. It was called Village Homes in Davis, California, about 400 homes. And they thought of everything imaginable, right down to planting the uh, fruit trees along the bicycle trails so that the kids and the people along their walks or bicycling, they can grab grab the fruit right off the trees right there. Nice. Uh, that's one of a thousand different things they thought out right. And this was designed many, many years ago and still in the field internationally of architecture is considered one of the best planned communities anywhere in the world. They've received tons of, of honors. Uh, unfortunately, uh, when they it got all completed and the uh, bureaucrats from Sacramento and other places came in and take a look at it, they forbid them to ever replicate it in other any area of California because it didn't meet the uh, oftentimes didn't meet the out of date and archaic building and planning codes that was required by the various government agencies and that was it. However, the village homes received awards from all over the world for the innovative planning they did. So you got these model uh, examples of it working, and um, it kind of brings me back to you teaching those uh, people how to set up the curriculum in Finland. Like, what would, what, what are the desired outcomes of that you'd want people to learn or know or understand um, that would help them to live an interdependent kind of life? Well, I think. One of the things is that at the core of the fin Finland's government is inherently looking at the way children learn. I mean, naturally. Okay. Uh, and what gives them a, a healthy base in life? One of the things they don't do is they don't bombard their kids with homework. They said a certain age, I'm talking about much younger now, is they need time to play, they need to act with their uh, fellow students. They uh, work on projects, I mean, be, between them, okay. Uh, apply their own, you know, creativity. Um, having, you know, inherent respect for, um, for who they are. Um, they also have ways of uh, dealing with the bullying and, and the kind of peer pressure stuff that, you know, that's, often uh, the cause for problems in, uh, in Western schools. Um, so they've addressed a lot of those issues. And, and also too, is that teachers are, are a priority there. They're well paid. Uh, they have beautiful schools. All my family lives in Sweden and I've been to the Swedish schools. You know, they're not, they're in really good shape. And even in the daycare centers, their university and college educated were taking care of the children. That's not necessarily the way we do it in the United States. In fact, of the matter is in some states like South Carolina, we got a mass exodus of teachers because their salaries are so low they can survive. And they're even getting better salaries going to a country like Ecuador. This is a national news story, by the way. This is not something, you know, and, conspiracy news it's actually been mainstream and we have we've de-evaluated the importance of education and uh, and the natural um, positive evolution of a child you know to the point that it's just uh, you know um, something we have to do but um, uh, you know it thought out by people often who didn't know what the hell they were doing and um, and had control agendas or what have you. But it is pretty abysmal. We we rank 35th in healthcare in, in, uh, uh, in uh, the world. We've just um, got the um, 
got recognized as having the worst medical system of any developed country now in the world, the worst, the most expensive, and the worst. Um, schools. Um, there's what I look for in sustainability. I'll give you it for instance, is that we've had a stratification of class and cultures and what and what have you. And oftentimes in the schools, you've got those with privilege and money and those that don't have it. In Montana, there's a school, I can't remember the name of it, but it's kind of interesting. The first thing they do when they come to school in the morning is they dance. They have all this pent up energy and they had to do it. And what they found was kind of interesting is the kids got to sort out everything else. And is that invariably, the boys and girls would not select their partner on the basis of their how much millions of dollars they got in the bank account or what kind of fancy car they drove or anything else. But they picked the best dancing partner on the basis of their skills and how good they were. And they said it was an interesting experiment because what had happened is now all the cultures of the school, both from the poorer kids from the city and the wealthy kids from the ranch, suddenly they were dancing partners, you know, because it was based on the choreography and the skill and the uh, and just the joy of, you know, dancing with each other and all that kind of, um, how should I say, class and peer pressure and all this stuff just goes out the window. And uh, I thought it was a rather clever way of, of doing about it. Not to mention is that when they're done dancing for about an hour, they're ready to sit down to some <laughs> schoolwork. They're they're pooped, okay. <laughs> so um, I I think if we go about designing our new uh, the new world, so to speak, we could have a tremendous amount of fun doing it. Yeah, absolutely. There, there's a lot to be said for. Um, the the product that we've gotten from the current education system, at least within the United States. And, you know, we, we got some really good workers. Well, actually, I wouldn't say anymore. I think the interesting thing is that uh, with the access to the internet, young people start realizing all the other options of templates of life that they could have. And they, they get disenfranchised really quick when they look around and see what uh, their parents are doing because they don't think that they're, taking advantage of the opportunity to be alive and either they internalize that themselves and say, well, I guess this is how it is. Or they say, or they rebel either in a positive way or a detrimental way. So it's kind of like an interesting thing that's happening as uh, we observe this, uh, this whole thing go along, you know? Well, the, the, there's upsides and downsides. Um, I think it's interesting how some of the kids that were homeschooled and closer to their parents and their parents' support uh, got a, a bit more healthy presence of themselves. When I when I look at the internet and I look at all the social media, um, some of it there's a lot of it that's good. You get me wrong, but there's some of it that's really negative. One is, you know, I want to be famous. I want to, you know, be the next rock star or what have you. Um, a lot of the, um, how should the the opportunities are are kind of missed. You know, um, for instance, in Germany, people don't realize that in Germany, not everybody goes to college and universities. Almost half of the students leaving high school go into the trade schools. Okay because that's where the jobs are. I mean, the machinists and metal workers and all those people that make that. But, you know, you don't see that, you know, much here. And yet, um, I jokingly, when I'm doing career development uh, work at the university, I go, I said, take a look, you know, what in the last uh, thousand years was a surefire career? Okay, it was the baker, the brewmeister, the winemaker, and the candy maker. Okay, mm -hmm. uh, you know, yeah, those people always have the jobs. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Okay, 
Uh, and you can add plumber and electrician to add that in more recent times. Yeah. But I mean, people, uh, uh, and then I, I jokingly say to the girls, I said, I, you're looking for uh, Mr. Wright? I says, go take a citizen's emergency response training and, and meet the the young firemen who are doing the uh, the training. Okay, they they take orders. They're, they're community committed. Okay, they can handle any emergency imaginable. Okay, and uh, they care about where they live in their community. And, and they're usually all buffed out and in good shape. I said, um, uh, I said, uh, if, if you're in a recruiting drive, I said, that's the place you start to look. And I get a kick out of the girls in the classroom. Boy, do they ever write that information down fast. Oh, my word. I mean, you can see you can you can see the smoke off the end of their pencil or their pen when they write it down. And they they want to know where the website is and where they can sign up for the class. Um, it, um, I think, I, I see um, there's a lot of good things about the internet, a lot of things about social media. But I think at times it's like watching people in a permaculture course and, or uh, building cob houses or buildings is you need to get your feet, your hands and feet in the dirt. Right. And, and touch the, and be tactile about it. It's not just, uh, um, I, because um, I notice this in projects that I get involved is that when a person's just taking the internet point of view from it and not tactically involved in what's happened, there's a big missing element on how do you really create something? Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you, you have to be an, you, you have to have some actual participative experience. Otherwise it's theoretical. And uh, and uh, that you know isn't quite right. Um, the uh, and 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 being honest with oneself about one's expectations or what what one can do or um, you know I think in terms of careers and work and direction people take I think every Every aspect has some, you know, value. Um, and people oftentimes don't realize that if you, let's say, create this bioregion sustainable community, how, what kind of overall talents are necessary inherently to make that happen? I mean, it's everything. It's from the plumbers, okay? It's from the... Um, you know, the electricians, it's from the people that, you know, fix the roads, it, it's everything. And and I think, and you, you're, you're often seeing this in developments here in California where, you know, they, people wanna live in an enclave and a gated community and a, uh, it's separate from everybody else without inherently thinking that their life and quality of life is dependent on a very diversified group of people. Some of which I'm, you know, is not necessarily in the social, uh, their social set, and they don't necessarily consciously consciously realize this, and that leads to uh, a lot of separation, a lot of misunderstanding, um, you know, a lot of attitudes. Uh, I've got mine. I'm going to hold on to it. And if you haven't got yours, you know, hell with you. You know, I mean, Jesus, I, you know, if you look at the amount of dissension that's going on in this country, you realize there's, there, there, we've got to have a better, better understanding and, a, and produce a, uh, a society that's much more collaboratively engaged respectfully uh, in order to make it work. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, so what are some, like, let's say someone is listening right now and is thinking, Hey, I want to be able to learn how to be more collaborative in my approach. What resources would you point them to or things you'd ask them to try or whatever? I, you know, I found something kind of interesting, just inadvertently. We had an earth day here and we had a, we had a, um, uh, exhibits from everything. And one organization, which I, 
haven't paid attention to in years. I didn't even know if they existed. And that was the Peace Corps. And I thought to myself, man, if anybody wanted to have a boots on the ground, real life experience, uh, I would spend a year or two with the Peace Corps. I mean, or, or some equivalent of that, because you'd be going to third world countries, you'd have to deal with everything, um, both poverty and influence. But how do you make up, you know, all of that? And how do you work with it? Um, apart from that, I think one has to have a healthy curiosity. Um, I would, uh, I think a permaculture design course would be really good if they can do it. Um, and um, I said, there's so many pathways here that I can't list them all in our, you know, brief interview. But um, I would say this, uh, go to the website, download those two wheels and see where in that wheel, what interests you. And pick it as kind of a, um, a, a lighthouse, okay? And that light is beaming you to a port of call that will, um, I should say, uh, where your spirit's taking you in life. And I, um, that's the best answer I can give right at the moment. Um, the, uh, the rest would take a, a thick book, okay. <laughs> Did I do okay on that, Chris? Um, nailed it, Bruce. <laughs> um, Are you having a problem with your microphone? Well, I, I muted to pull up the sacred wheel of community because I wanted to list off um, the, the different categories just to get people thinking about it. And then it, there's, there's more description of each one of the uh, categories. Um, they're on the wheel for you to check out when you um, go to Bruce's site. But um, can you lift them off and post them on your on your in this interview? Yeah, definitely. That's a great idea. Yeah, I would do that just so that if the people are listening to that interview, they'd have it right there. They wouldn't even have to go to my website. So we've got um, honest media. Mm -hmm. Science and spirituality, mm -hmm. ecology, peace and security, care for all generations, economic sustainability, governance and law, healer, teacher, and student, body, mind, and spirit, healthy family life, sustainable community, and uh, healer as artist. So uh, there's more description on each one of those things. I think that's a, that's a good one, Bruce. Then to start to orient around to see where you might, uh, where, where all of us can go further on. Yeah, that, those, those wheels were created a long time ago, about 15 years ago, in fact, for an international conference I spoke at the NASA in the Bahamas. Um, I would like to take a fresh look at, at, at them and the copy. Uh, and I hopefully before the end of the year is to kind of upgrade them a bit. Uh, but, you know, they, they, they serve as the basis, beginning basis of dialogue. Um, and, uh, but there's, you know, a number of good references out there that people can, can follow. But at least, you know, it's food for thought to kind of uh, uh, kickstart the, kick the motorcycle. Yeah. yeah, nice. Very nice. Awesome, Bruce. Yeah, thanks for that. Well, um i think that's good for today um if you're up for it i think we we can continue the conversation and post a few more of these if you're up for it you know what do you think i by all means chris i mean you know it's it's i think any one of us you know i'm an elder and as i say to my young friends is that um i'm uncle bruce and and they uh and 
they have a certain inherited wisdom that they're coming on stream with. I've got my life experience that I have. And if we can have a constructive dialogue, we both benefit from it. Yeah. And uh, and I think that it's also important that all generations be in communication with each other. Um, I know some amazing wisdom keepers. Well, I mean, look at uh, Attenborough from the BBC. He's in his 90s. I think he's 93 or 94, something like that. And I mean, talk about wisdom being packed into a human being. Uh, he's over the top, way over the top. Um, and so we, uh, so I'm happy wherever I can make a constructive contribution. Um, my friend Deb Arts, who is head of the Career Development Center for the University of California here in Santa Barbara, said something to me a week or so ago. She said, Bruce, almost everything you do, you do for humanity. I I was kind of shocked when she said that because I don't necessarily you know think of myself that way, but it was a, an amazing compliment, and um, that's just the way it, what drives me right now is that what can I do for the betterment of my friends, family, the community, and the, the greater body body of knowledge that um, anyone and everyone can benefit by. Yeah, I've had tremendous life experiences, and it's it's nice to um, put all that to good use if I can. So, thank you, Chris, for doing this. It's an honor, and I'm available anytime you would like to continue. Marvelous, Bruce. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you, and um, thank you all for listening. Cheers. Okay, take care. Later, Bruce.